Hey everyone, it's Antiquated Ideas, and today I've got kind of an interesting topic to bring to you. So, you all know that I, along with uh, another guy, uh, you can find him on Instagram. His Instagram is at inawoods underscore gang, and he is a great guy, by the way. But, so, as we discussed eco-nationalism as an ideology and we both have writings that we are continuously working on <clears throat> uh, I naturally found that my idea of eco-nationalism strayed slightly from what his idea was and that's not bad in any way but it brought me to to come up with something new, a new idea. Um, so, I have this idea, and I'm sure I'm going to say the name, and you're going to instantly be able to pin some of my inspirations and where I really draw from. So, I, I went ahead and I named it tentatively anyway, but I think I'll stick with it. I named it Romantic Environmentalism, and it's kind of a subsection of eco-nationalism or like the um i mean i'm hesitant to call it this but the the esoteric or the spiritual side of eco-nationalism and it's made so that it works in harmony with eco-nationalism that this idea of romantic environmentalism is as much a lifestyle as eco-nationalism is and it's really for the people who want to dedicate themselves to this movement and to really understanding nature on a more intuitive and personal level than most people one of my main inspirations for this is Julius Evola. And specifically, Julius Evola has a quote in Against the Modern World about how, and forgive me because I'm paraphrasing, but he, he said something about how we can never know nature as intimately as our ancient European ancestors did and so this is something to me that it it really just instantly stuck out to me and I said why why is it that we have strayed so far from understanding nature as truth to industrialization to science to cold hard evidence in fact when in reality the only objective fact that there is is that science itself is subjective if you look at the entire history of science you can see how things continually change new quote-unquote facts are brought about and this constantly changes the precedent for what we take as common rationality, common knowledge, you know, what would be generally accepted in, in the scientific community. And so to um, 
a native European, we can imagine that these things, more or less, I feel like they a lot of them would have already been known to Europeans. If you take gravity as an example, the idea of gravity was not new. People always knew, you know, what goes up must come down, more or less. They understood the laws of the world, even if they didn't have names for these laws, even if they didn't flesh out the ideas of these laws and the parameters which they adhere to. But they were a lot more advanced than we think. So when I say that, I mean, uh, you look at the the cyclical nature of well nature and you can see that a lot of what the old world beliefs are are fairly in line with what science dictates so i mean uh, uh i could give an example of this would be how the old norse uh had a calendar and the calendar, I believe, was something like 360 days. It was incredibly similar to what the modern calendar is, and they understood the seasons. Everyone understood seasons. They understood all of these things. And so when I talk about the idea of romantic environmentalism, the whole basis behind it is taking that that quote from Julius Evola and breaking it down each generation you know one generation to the next the the more involved with nature we are the more um the more we are likely to inherently understand the rules and laws of what nature actually says versus what we want to rationalize and provide as logical conclusions and and science i mean it's there are a lot of similarities there's a lot of parody but there's also a lot of differences there are a lot of points of contention between the two if you look at nature and science uh people who i guess you we could say spiritually believe in nature they see things a lot differently than a scientist might, even if they come to the same conclusion. Um, the ancient Indians, uh, and I think it's, I can't remember the name of, of uh, their main god, but, and forgive me if, if I'm um, messing something up here, uh, but their their main god, I believe, it was that uh, each year is a day, one day to their main god. And if you want to look at nature as the basis for that, that it makes quite a bit of sense, actually, that uh, to a god that one year would be one day. You know, you think about traditionally half the year is spent in sunlight and half the year is spent in darkness and so that naturally makes up one day that half of your day 
is spent out in the sun, you know, and you could imagine this is summer, this is spring, and then towards fall and winter, that would be the nighttime, that you, during fall, that's, you know, when you eat your supper, and you're getting ready to go to bed, and then winter is darkness, that's your nighttime, and so really half of your day is spent uh, in the darkness, and half is spent in the light, and so this is really reflected through their religion and possibly even through ancient European religion, although that's not, I'm not a scholar on on this subject, that's really not something that I want to get into. Uh, of course, everyone is welcome to do their own research. I have done a lot of my own research as well to come up with these ideas, and so they're not totally baseless, but also, uh, romantic environmentalism is kind of an excuse to look at the world the way that that the ancients might have. If you look at like um, ancient Greek philosophers as an example, having an opinion and seeing a logical truth was entirely acceptable. There might be different schools of thought and there might be different truths to each different person, but that was acceptable. So one person could theorize the way that something works and um, based on what other people say or what other people think about it, it may be accepted or not you know, it might be accepted as a truth, and that's really something that I can get in line with, something that I can stand behind, because we live in a world today where everything that you say can be fact-checked, more or less, which is incredibly ridiculous, in my opinion. I don't think that a person should need to cite their sources on every opinion that they have because a lot of our opinions are shaped by, number one, our personal experience and what we observe in the world, and number two is that secondary evidence that we get, the stories that we hear from other people, the things that we read about, the things that we see on TV, you know, the news, all of that. And so, yes, it does allow for things like media to dictate someone's perception of the world to a degree. However, I believe that if you're smart enough that you don't let those things happen, you don't let media or, or um, somebody else even dictate your worldview, because ultimately it is your decision as to what you believe, and again, there's n nothing wrong with that, I would entirely agree with somebody, well, I shouldn't say entirely, but I would entirely agree with the idea that somebody be a thinker, and question everything in the world around them, and so I, myself, as I grew up, that's what I did, and that's thankfully what my family um, not only tolerated, but I would say encouraged, was for me to question my surroundings, question what was seen as an objective truth, because objective truth to one person is not the same as another, which 
may be counterintuitive, but it is reality, is that we all perceive things differently. So uh, it might sound ludicrous, but 2 plus 2 may not always equal 4. Yes, that's what we've been taught, but 150 years down the road, who knows uh, what what new scientific theory may come about and and change our opinion on that. So anytime that somebody wants to go in-depth with their thought and have logical and rational thoughts about the world around them, I encourage that. And so to get back to this thing about the, the Indian God and, and how each year is one day to this God, you can look at the the three basic years then and see that the, the number three is almost omnipresent throughout all religions. There is a cyclical nature to the number three. And so, first of all, I, I, I want to just give a disclaimer that I am getting into the spiritual or religious aspect of romantic environmentalism because I truly believe that romantic environmentalism is a spiritual movement to a political ideology. And so these two things go hand in hand. Like I said, there is uh, um, there's harmony between the two. You can certainly live your life as an eco-nationalist and practice romantic environmentalism. But <clears throat> if you look at this, this number three and how it's, like I said, omnipresent, it's, it's there across almost every religion, every belief system has three, you know, it's, it's, it's the prime example of a cycle is the number three and specifically I think that the number three, and this is something that a an ancient European or whoever else maybe would understand more than someone today, is you take a look at the generations of people. And traditionally what you would have is your grandparents would live with your parents, and then there would be you. So you have three generations. You have the old generation, what is not quite the current generation, but it's your parents, and then you have you, which is the young generation. And so you can see in a lot of the world how every three to four generations, there is a major change as the, the old generation dies off and the young generation rises to become the current generation they give birth to the next generation and on goes the cycle of life and as such it is called the cycle of life so this idea that a, a god sees each year as a day kind of reinvents the idea of what we see as a week because you're looking at each generation being in these sets of three. So every three years, then you could theorize that 
something is going to occur or every 30 years or you know so on and so forth and i really think that 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 type of outlook on life is underrepresented and it's very um i wouldn't say it's looked down upon but it's certainly not taught you're not taught to look at nature the same way that an ancient may have. And what's very interesting to me is that a lot of the ancient Europeans share genetic heritage with, um, excuse me, Native Americans. And so Native Americans also practice um, animism and toto... To what uh whatever the fuck it's called but but having like a totem animal you know uh all all these ideas so uh if if you kill a bear as an example then that would make you a very revered and and maybe even feared person in this culture uh which is understandable because bears are really the the apex predator of nature they may not be the best at everything but in general the forested and and plains land that is our home is the ideal uh, area for bears and if you look at bears as an example they can be seen as the the king of the forest um, in a way because even bears appreciate nature which is a very interesting aspect of studying nature to me is the fact that bears seemingly sit down and enjoy nature and no other animal does this so this is why I say that whether you believe in islam christianity paganism what have you that this idea of romantic environmentalism still plays a part because it's trying to get back to the ancestral understanding of nature it's rejecting the modern schedule and the modern thought process as to what nature is. I mean, if you look at the, the the ancient Northern Europeans, and this applies to both Slavs and Germanic people, is that, you know, if you prayed to the gods for whatever, I mean, say you prayed to the gods for a, a, a good hunt this year, and you walked outside and you found a dead crow, then that is most certainly a sign. And I think that that applies to both religions or really any religion and that's sort of the underlying message of romantic environmentalism is getting back to the understanding of nature where you see signs in nature you understand the cycles of nature you understand the representations of your life in nature um a good example of this is placentas 
and how uh, it actually if you look up uh varg vikernes on um well not youtube anymore but just google him and he has a good one on uh, placentas and totem animals because uh to ancient europeans they would study the placenta of um wild animals when they gave birth and so this is how your child's uh, totem animal could be established is because uh, human placentas come in a lot of different shapes. And yes, it sounds kind of disgusting, but also you think about uh, totems, uh, you think about placenta and, and, and the involvement in birth. And another question that arises is what or uh, when's the last time that you even considered where your food comes from? When's the last time that you killed your own food, let alone even thought about how your food is killed? And so, I mean, yes, that could be seen as a, a criticism of the meat industry, which in part it is, but also in part it's uh, a spiritual understanding that in order to thrive as a person and as a species, you need to consume flesh. And that's a basic understanding within ancient people is that more or less you are consuming their essence of life. And so the bigger the animal, you know, the, the, the more it will sustain you, which... Again, if you look at modern science, there is some parody there because large animals such as, you know, you have a, a steak from a cow. Well, a steak is going to saturate you pretty well. It's going to give you a lot of the nutrients that you need in one day. So anyway, I don't mean to continue rambling on about this theory of mine and I, I want it to become a sort of practice and I'm going to make more videos as I continue to define what romantic environmentalism is to me and as always feel free to message me on Instagram under antiquated ideas um, I'm also working um, as an eco-nationalist under fl underscore in a woods so you can look that up as well or feel free to just leave a comment on my youtube video anything you want to do to get in touch with me i love talking about the subjects um not even just romantic environmentalism but um eco-nationalism uh america today really anything i'm happy to discuss so if you want to hear more let me know i'm going to continue to produce things regardless anyway thank you for listening have a good night